It's time for the Sleep Tight Saturday Morning Ticket with Chris Dewar on WTAD. It's 30 minutes of scores, coaches, interviews, and a look at the weekend sports schedule. And now, here's Chris. And tip top of the morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sleep Tight Saturday Morning Ticket for October the 26th, connecting the fall sports to the U. And we've got the fall sports calendar at its zenith right now. It is playoff time on so many different fronts. It is actually selection Saturday in Illinois high school football, and we still have a handful of teams in our area clinging to life and hoping to make their charge, some of them Cinderella, some of them not, for a championship. We've also got state sectional, excuse me, state quarterfinal softball going on in Northeast Missouri today. The start of the cross-country postseason. The soccer postseason is in full throws, and that's where we'll start today. We've got Greg Reese joining us in just a few minutes to talk about Quincy Notre Dame's big win last night over Earlville and their eventual charge to try to get back and repeat that state championship. So Greg Reese is going to join us in just a few minutes, and we're actually going to look ahead past the fall sports calendar this morning and check in with uh, Western Illinois women's basketball coach J.D. Gravina, whose team opened exhibition play this week and who will open up with the University of Missouri. Yeah, that's a big bite right out of the gate for the Leathernecks, but we'll talk to J.D. about all things Leatherneck basketball as well. But before we get to any of that, let me bring you up to speed on everything that happened in a very, very busy and eventful week, and particularly on a very eventful Friday. And as I mentioned, Quincy Notre Dame is on to the state quarterfinals, or the super sectional, I should say, either one are technically correct, as Quincy Notre Dame beats Earlville last night 5-0. to nil. Seth Anderson scored four goals last night in the first half to help the Raiders advance. Their opponent is yet to be determined, likely to be Normal Uhi, who takes on St. Thomas More this afternoon. Uh, the winners of that game will take on Quincy Notre Dame at the Normal Super Sectional coming up on Tuesday. All right, in football last night, bad news for the Quincy High Blue Devils as they will end up missing their first playoff appearance in six years, losing last night to a very healthy and very potent Moline offense. 34-21 was your final last night. Clay Hansen with a big night last night for the Blue Devils catching the football. He had six catches for 96 yards and two first-half touchdowns. Drake Tournier also added 10 catches for 111 yards and a touchdown, but it was all for naught as the Blue Devils will finish their season 4-5 and five on the year. Some other news and notes from the playoff bubble last night. Rushville Industry picked up that all-important sixth victory last night, beating up on South Fulton 64-28. to James Corey, nine carries, 161 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and he opened the game with an 81-yard kickoff return as well. Rushville Industry appears to be safely into the playoffs, and good for them. They had five wins last year, but did didn't have enough playoff points to get in and had their hopes dashed. Also on the playoff bubble last night, Greenfield Northwestern goes into Mount Sterling and beats Brown County 14-7. to Despite the loss, the Hornets are still 5-4, and a likely playoff entrant. Unity Payson had to win last night to have a chance to make it to the playoffs. Big second half for the Mustangs, who win 57-29 to over Calhoun at Calhoun. Story in that game, five forced turnovers by the Mustangs in the second half. Bennett Deusterhouse, monster game catching the football. Five receptions, 167 yards, and a touchdown. He also had a 78-yard kickoff return when his team had fallen behind in the third quarter to bring his team back. Beardstown last night with a win over Carrollton, 42-28. The Tigers post their first perfect season since 1936. That's a chunk. That's a fair piece of time right there. Pascal Gilavogi does what he does. 31 carries, 336 rushing yards, and four touchdowns. Beardstown likely to be a number one seed or at least a very high seed when the uh, playoff pairings are announced in 3A today. 
Quincy Notre Dame, speaking of 3A or 2A, we don't quite know yet. They are in the playoffs, but they do lose last night due the Raiders to a really good undefeated Richmond Burton team. 34-14 to was your final there. Also, in games that do not have the same level of playoff uh, pairings or permutations, Lincoln ends Macomb's season 41-7. to The Bombers go winless this year. Havana ends West Hancock's season 57-28. to Camp Point Central is into the playoffs at 8-1, and and they will likely host coming up next Saturday. They beat up on Pleasant Hill Western 50 to nothing last night. Brandon Rossmiller scored five touchdowns in the offing. Uh, West Central, a winner over Triopia, 19-6 in a battle of teams playing out the string. Jacksonville route falls to North Green, 22-18. Elmwood Brimfield loses to Illini West, which rallies back with a good finish to the season to finish their year 4-5. and Illini West wins 42-8 last night. Lewiston dashes Bushnell West Prairie season, 17-0. Pittsfield falls to Porta, 55-20. In Missouri last night, the game everybody was talking about, the Mayor's Cup last night under adverse circumstances uh, after the passing of Jamar White, the assistant football coach with the uh, Monroe City Panthers last Saturday. Saturday, Monroe City certainly puts up a great effort on his behalf and in his memory last night, winning over Palmyra 40-22. to Jamar's nephew, Antoine Battle, wearing his number 21, the same number that Jamar wore when he was a star with the Monroe City Panthers. Uh, Antoine Battle ran 15 times last night for 102 yards and two first-half touchdowns. He also had a receiving touchdown. Keenan Batzel goes 26 carries, 132 and a touchdown in the victory for Monroe City. Also on the docket, Centralia. Perfect regular season for the Panthers. Wasn't pretty last night, but they beat Macon 21-7. to uh, John Durant, the quarterback, 20 carries, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Gus Stidham with 16 tackles in a defensive battle between Centralia and Macon. Highland finishes the regular season strong and helps their district seeding a bit as Highland beats South Shelby on the road 14-12. to Clark County will be the district number one seed. We knew that last week, but they put a... Nice exclamation point on things by beating Brookfield 39-6 to last night to finish the regular season again 8-1. and Caleb Lapsley, 160 rushing yards and four touchdowns last night. Eight-man football last night after the big upset win over Pattonsburg. North Shelby might have had a bit of a hangover last night as they lose to the number nine team in the state in eight-man football. Oric 38-30, to that is an upset as North Shelby came into the week uh, ranked third in the state after that big win. But again, the Raiders are going to finish the regular season 7-2 and two and try to do their best work moving through the eight-man districts as they're announced this weekend. Hannibal, I don't know if there's such a thing as a good loss, but it was a pretty good loss last night for Hannibal against a really talented battle team that snapped uh, the Pirates' six-game win streak. 34-28 as Hannibal makes a nice comeback in that one. The young sophomore quarterback, Cortland Watson, 16 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown rushing, 12 of 23 passing, 166 to the air, and two touchdowns for him as well. Scotland County, what a season for them. They finish 8-1 and one on the year. Scotland County beats up on Louisiana 60-6 to six last night. Paris with a good finish to the regular season, winning 22 to nothing over Westran last night. Knox County filled by Fayette 38-8. to eight. Bowling Green likely moves up to the four seed in that district with Clark County and Monroe City and Palmyra by virtue of the Macon loss and a big win for the Bobcats last night, 45-7 to seven over Van Farr. Wright City Shuts out Mark Twain, 40 to nothing was your final there. And Montgomery County, a winner over Clopton Ellsbury, 42 to 24. We'll have no playoffs in Southeast Iowa, 
But the battle for the county seat in Lee County last night, Keokuk wins over Fort Madison 28-20. to Dylan Jeffers with a 25-yard pick-six interception. Braylon Martinez with an 84-yard touchdown run last night as the Chiefs finished 6-3. and A very good finish in Josh Roberts' first season. Central Lee, after losing their first seven games, finishes the regular season 2-0. 28-6 over Davis County last night. Dalton Westerkamp had 32 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. Also last night, regular season finale for John Wood in volleyball. John Wood wins over Ren Lake in three straight games. Sierra Erke, the Quincy High School product with 13 kills, three blocks as well last night. Also, Quincy Notre Dame in their own volleyball tournament wins games over Hardham and West Prairie to move into the Gold Pool Championship bracket, which would be contested today at 8.30 this morning, actually, over at Quincy University. Also in soccer last night, the Quincy University women with a good draw against nationally ranked McKendry. The Quincy University men score three minutes in as Anthony Cristante hits a goal, but they can't knock off nationally ranked McKendry, losing 2-1. to one. That was your final there. All right, we're going to talk some soccer with Greg Reese, talk about the Raiders, talk about Seth Anderson's big night last Last night and talk about the challenge of trying to avenge an earlier loss, we think perhaps to normal U High coming up on Tuesday. That's straight ahead after these messages. Getting you ready for a full weekend of sports, it's the Saturday morning ticket brought to you by Sleep Tight at 4535 Broadway in Quincy. Here's Chris. And welcome back, everybody, to the Saturday morning ticket. The Quincy Notre Dame Raiders, your defending state champs, are back in the super sectional. We don't quite yet know who they will play coming up on Tuesday, but we do know that Quincy Notre Dame is playing some darn good soccer at this particular moment in time. And Greg Reese, the head coach of the Raiders, joins us. And first of all, breaking news, Greg, I guess Seth Anderson's pretty good. Yeah, Seth's a really extremely talented player. He's probably one of the better players that I've coached over my 24 years, and uh, he was something special to watch last night. You got off to a great start last night, which is something that's sort of dogged you at different times this season. It really seems like after that almost regional wake-up call, if you want to call it that, in the Beardstown game where you went to, uh, to overtime with Beardstown, your guys really kind of have found that second gear. That's got to be a refreshing change for you, uh, knowing kind of the dynamics of where things were sliding a little bit early on in the postseason. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a tough week for us. I mean, even the uh, Abingdon-Avon game, we didn't play really well despite winning 7 nothing. Uh I thought our performance in the first half was a little lackluster, and uh, I figured, you know, once we kind of talked to the boys and kind of got them through that, I figured the um, Beerstown game, we would bounce back. We knew what our opponent was going to be and that they were a pretty good side. But, uh, you know, it was sluggish. And then I was talking to a, a non-soccer person the other day, and they said, you know, maybe it was homecoming. And uh, they were all fixated on that. And that's, you know, we're dealing with high school kids, so that's probably a big part of the, the issue that week. But uh, this past week, we played exceptionally well. We started strong and, and finished strong and uh, continued the pressure throughout the game. And uh, we were really proud of the boys' efforts. I know you play an extremely tough schedule, and that's something you do by design. But you've also had some weird up and downs this season with injuries. Will Drew has missed almost the entire year. You had Gabe Whitaker out for a big chunk. Seth missed some games along the way. Um, just right now, it seems like finally there's there's some continuity. And I know it, it, it takes a while to get to this point, but at least you're hitting that at the right time of the season. Yeah, I mean, the injuries did play a big part. And, uh, Tanner Anderson was uh, another factor in there with a hamstring. And, He's still battling it a little bit, and we're kind of, you know, monitoring his practice time along with Seth still uh, because of his shin splints. But, 
you know, when you get a compliment and have everybody into the, uh, the game at the right times and you've got a full bench that you can draw on, it makes a huge difference. I mean, Will Drew would obviously be big upgrade uh, at, in the midfield or in the forward position for us, but uh, unfortunately he sustained another uh, patellar dislocation similar to what he did last year. But, uh, you know, the rest of the guys are coming together and playing well. Uh, can't be more, uh, more happy with our forwards' performance, uh, Chance Bailey. And uh, Philip Benson have really come on lately and provided a spark up top for us and creating some scoring opportunities and, and banging in some goals for us. You've got a chance, and I, I know obviously this is always an asset, and, and I'm not going to assume normal U-high wins today, but I think they are the prohibitive favorite against St. Thomas More. You've got a chance to play normal U-high again. You drew them in the regular season over at the Go for the Goal tournament up in Burlington and then lost to them in, in PKs. There was no overtime for people who don't understand. The, the format goes, for time purposes, straight to PKs. So you've had a look at them, and, and you told me at the time they're legit. You face the potential of pet playing them in in a venue that's really familiar to them. Is that any any a little bit daunting anyway? I mean, somewhat, uh, just because I think their home crowd, I mean, it's in their backyard, similar to if we were playing here. I mean, we'd have a, a student body behind us and, and a louder crowd cheering us on. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's a decent field. The field service should be better than what we've been playing on the last couple of games. Um, it, it, I wish it was on turf, but it's not. And I think our guys have adjusted really well. So, yeah, I mean, they're a good side. We're playing really pretty good right now. So I think it's going to be a classic high school battle between uh, two strong teams that uh, have really good scoring uh, potential and are solid defensively. So it, I'm looking forward to the game on Tuesday. I don't want to toss you the angry softball here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you sometimes wonder about IHSA venue selection for the postseason, given some of the trips and the surfaces you've played on the last couple of years? Yeah, I- I mean, I'm not sure how they do it. Uh, I mean, my biggest question is, you know, if you're a, a smaller school and you know your playing surface isn't really up to par or won't be or could not be at this time of year, the season, I wouldn't apply for it. And then I think it falls back to the IHSA. You know, they, I think they need to do a little bit more homework and try to, uh, you know, come up with some better playing surfaces. I, and I I know Jeremy Stone, you high coach, tried to get uh, – Illinois State and Illinois Wesleyan, but uh, for, for whatever reasons, they didn't allow us to play there. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. Both teams will be playing on the same surface. They're a technical team. We're a technical team. They, they like to play the ball on the ground. So do we. So, I mean, it may be a little bit difficult, uh, but like I said, I think this surface is going to be quite a bit better than what we have been. So. Uh, we haven't talked about it much because obviously people focus on the goals and the scoring and the goal creation, but your back line has really kind of tightened things up. Uh, Paulie Cornwell and company in the back and have, have done some really nice things, particularly last night. Uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about Earlville going in, but that's that's a shutout and a clean sheet for Griff as well. So you have to be pleased with where they're at at this juncture in the season as well. Yeah, it's been coming together here lately. Um Paul, I mean, Paul and Keegan have been there for uh, three years for us, and it took a little bit longer this year than what I thought it would be, especially with Griffin the goal. But uh, putting a couple of new guys in there, Chance or Cage uh, Hughes and uh, Gabe Whitaker, you know, didn't get a whole lot of time last year back there until later in the year. Cage came on and became a starter for us. But, uh, I mean, there are four solid players back there that are starting to work it out and, and come together at the right time, I'm hoping. Um, Griff uh, hasn't had a whole lot to work with these last couple of games. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, but he's still staying sharp. So his leadership in the back and then uh, the work rate of the four guys in front of him has been really good. And then last night, it's kind of, it's difficult because the two guys don't get enough recognition. I don't feel there are two defensive midfielders, Gunnar Kirk and uh, Ben Fritch were a ton last night doing a lot of the, the hard running and cutting out balls before it even gets to the back line. So I feel like they really deserve a mentioning as well. Biggest key for you to keep this rolling through, obviously, through Tuesday? Uh, I mean, believe in each other. Um, you know, Seth, I think, went through a period of, during the middle of the season where he was lacking a little bit of confidence in the guys around him. But uh, they've started to come through, and their work rate has improved, and their, their scoring efficiency has improved. So if he can keep spraying the ball around and don't have to take the whole uh, load on himself, then uh, I like our chances. And we got to continue to be dangerous on set pieces, which we have been uh, throughout most of the year. But uh, here recently, we've been scoring more through the flow of the play. So, um, you know, I mean, it's got to be a team effort, and this team's starting to gel, and they're starting to believe in each other and work for each other. So if we can keep it going forward uh, the way we have been this past week, uh, I like our chances on Tuesday. All right, best of luck to you, Greg, and we'll see you on Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. Always a pleasure to talk to Greg Reese. And when we come back, J.D. Gravina will join us and talk a little bit about the Western Illinois women's basketball program. This is the Sleep Tight Saturday Morning Ticket on Talk Radio 930 WTAD and FM 103.3. Here's Chris Dewar. Well, he has not only proven to do a great job breathing new life into the Western Illinois women's basketball program, but J.D. Gravina has proven himself a five-tool player this weekend by caregiving while his wife Meredith is on a girls' weekend. J.D., harder thing, recruiting or keeping the kids in line this weekend? Oh, that's a no-brainer. Keeping the kid, keeping the kids alive is more uh, my <laughs> challenge. So so far, so good. But that's definitely harder than uh, than recruiting. We're, we're rooting for you this weekend. I know I that's it. that's quite the task. Obviously, you've got a chance to open up the exhibition season this week. Got a chance to watch you play a little bit against Maryville, and it was a typical first exhibition game as you kind of knocked off the rust a little bit. But you do have a really nice core nucleus returning, and and I guess to be able to have this kind of starting point, a point A to open your quest this season is a really nice place to be. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I This is a really early exhibition game for us, which we did intentionally just to kind of get rid of that early season drag that you normally have for practicing forever without playing against someone. So I don't think either team was quite prepared, but, um, you know, and, and I think you saw that in the first couple minutes of the game. But uh, I think, man, we've got a really nice starting five. I mean, they've got some experience, which is key. Um, and then we've got some depth this year. I mean, we've got six or seven players behind that starting five that I think can all come in and contribute. So it was fun to get out there and, and play against someone else, and I was happy with what I saw to my squad. Well, so much of it for you starts with Olivia Kaufman, who's a Jacksonville native, as so many people around here know, and obviously a returning preseason all-conference player coming in. And uh, it took her a little while to knock off some of the rust, and I know she didn't shoot it from distance like she usually does, but once she got going, it's typical Olivia Kaufman. What does she do as a catalyst for you, J.D.? Man, she can just score. I mean, you know, when we went back and watched film, I mean, a lot of her attacks to the basket 
Um, she just can really finish around the rim. She can finish with contact. She can finish with someone in her face. So um, the crazy thing is I thought she had a really good game, and I think that, that she'll be better. I mean, she'll knock down a lot of threes for us. I mean, if she hits two of those threes, a couple of them went in and out, she'd have 26 points. So, um, and then I think she'll actually improve her playmaking too, you know, find opportunities to kick out a little uh, a la Emily Clemens back in the day, um, you know, as she gets more comfortable with our rotations and kind of who's playing, I think she'll really increase her playmaking, both with kickouts and even dump passes to Evan Zars or Danny Nichols when they're hovering around the basket. You, you kind of touched on that, and I want to get there with you, because, you know, so much of the rebounding you've done in the past has been sort of by collective or by committee, just out of the construct of your roster, because people know you like to shoot it and play from the outside in a lot. But the addition of Evan Zars, who had 17 rebounds the other night, kind of changes how you look. I mean, she gives you that big physical force that I don't know that you've had in that kind of permutation before. Yeah, I mean, we're just so lucky to have her. And, uh, I mean, she's a really valuable player to us. You know, she, she would be a valuable player to anyone. But um, the fact that we were just missing that so much, I felt like we had every other piece um, to add her. It's just huge for us. I mean, she's going to be one of the best post players in the league. Defensively, she's going to be phenomenal. I mean, blocking shots, you know, you saw what she could do, defensive rebound. I think when she starts finding herself around the goal a little bit more on offense, she'll increase her offensive rebounding too. I mean, I could see her being a top couple in the nation in, in some of those rebounding categories. So uh, what a huge addition, and it gives us some inside scoring as well. She kind of refines her post moves, and you saw she could still step out and shoot. I think she had two threes. Obviously, I, I want to look a little bit at your schedule, and you've got Quincy University coming up in the exhibition schedule, which everybody knows is kind of a special game for you and Culver Stockton down down the road there. Uh, just just from your standpoint, is it kind of fun to you know to look back at what you know Jeanette has done and and to kind of get back and play Quincy University a little bit, just kind of a walk down memory lane? Yeah, it is, and it doesn't feel like it's been that long ago since I was there. Um, I guess it's been eight or nine years, but uh, it, it's it's really exciting. That's why we try to play that game. I like to, you usually get a big group of people from Quincy up, and I get to see you know the the Danny Valcamps of the world, and um, I really enjoy seeing them and and giving them an opportunity to continue to see me coach. And then, man, yeah, I'm really proud of Jeanette. I get to talk to her quite a bit, and she's done an amazing job with that Culver program. Uh, Coach Chap's pretty proud of Jeanette as well. And so it's, it's neat to have her back. And then we also have Illinois State coming in with Jessica Keller as, as their top assistant. So uh, it's neat. I think my coaching tree is a little bit uh, different than some coaches. Um, I, I have a lot of GAs and former players that are coaching at the small college level. And I'm really proud of that because I think they're doing a heck of a job. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Dan Chapla, the former Culver Stockton coach, now on your staff replacing Seth Minder, which was a really nice addition for you. And you're going to need all the coaching muster you can get, obviously, for that opener. I know Robin kind of did you a solid by bringing Mizzou up here last year, and now you go back down there on the back end of that contract and open with a Mizzou team that's obviously been radically restructured. But if that game against Truman State says says much, they're going to go with a couple of outstanding freshmen right off the bat and let them play. Uh, they're, they're not missing a lot talent-wise, are they? No, I mean, to be honest, that exhibition game kind of scared me a little bit because <laughs> I think there's a lot of people, and I'm a, you know, I'm a big Mizzou fan, so I want them to be good. But at least for that game, I'd hoped, you know, with them losing Sophie Cunningham, they'd be really finding themselves early in the year. But their young group is so, so good and a little bit different than uh, what they've had in the past. And so 
when when you look at you know the Frank girl coming in and hit a bunch of threes and uh, Asia Blackwell, I mean she's as good of a player as you're going to see in a Mizzou uniform. They're going to be really tough and. Uh, it'll be a fun game. I think, you know, we hopefully will play them close. We have some in the past. Um, and, you know, maybe this is the year we can step up and get them. Well, I tell you what, J.D., you've done a phenomenal job making that program exciting. You're a great watch. I know you've moved up your your, your non-conference games to 530. So if, if anybody wants to get up there from Quincy to see some really good Division One women's basketball, J.D. Gravina has it going at Western. So congratulations to you, J.D., and thanks, as always, for the time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on and all your continued coverage. And again, that is J.D. Gravina from the Western Illinois Leathernecks. His team looks like they got a chance to be really interesting this year with that nice returning nucleus and a couple of key pieces built around that. And then again, looking forward to the future, former Highland star Kennedy Flanagan, a part of that mix going forward as well. So that's going to be fun to watch her development. Hey, we're all out of time here. Huge overtime coming your way tonight at KHQA at 1030. We've got playoff pairings. We've got volleyball high school highlights from a couple of tournaments. We've got cross-country highlights from the beginning of the postseason, and we have got big-time doings on the softball diamond in northeast Missouri with Canton and Palmyra playing in the state quarterfinals for a trip to Springfield. We'll see you with all of that tonight, and thanks for joining us right here on The Morning Ticket. Time has run out. You're invited to join us again next week for another edition of the Saturday Morning Ticket, brought to you by Sleep Tight at 4535 Broadway in Quincy.